Welcome to an AONN Plus podcast event created to provide a platform to engage and inform membership on relevant topics which impact your professional practice. The focus is on the AONN Plus eight domains of knowledge. This podcast will highlight the Navigator Pledge that was developed in 2017. As a navigator, I pledge my head to share knowledge for informed decision making, my heart to empower advocacy and loyalty, my hands to deliver compassion and remove barriers, my hope to embrace and preserve quality of life. Navigators have within themselves the inner strength, the power, and the fortitude to do what is needed for patients. They should never doubt their abilities, knowledge, or willpower to make things happen. Thank you for joining us as we honor the Navigators, special people that make a difference in the lives of those around them. This month's episode of Heart and Soul Navigation, Hero of Hope Interviews is sponsored by Genentech. Hello, I am Monica Dean, Director of Patient Navigation Program Development with the Academy of Oncology Nurse and Patient Navigators. I am joined here today with Melinda Bikini and Sharon Francis for our latest podcast to hear inspiring stories from two of our Hero of Hope nominees. The Hero of Hope Patient Award annually recognizes an individual whose life is touched by cancer and for their outstanding contributions to the cancer community. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you both today. Melinda, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Melinda Bikini. I'm from Billings, Montana. I'm a wife, a mother of six, grandmother to one. I was diagnosed with stage four cholangiocarcinoma in 2009, and I now am the director of advocacy with the Cholangiocarcinoma Foundation. Wonderful, Melinda. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Sharon, please introduce yourself to the podcast listeners. Hi, everyone. I'm Sharon Francis, and I am a breast cancer survivor. I'm also a parent, artist, and educator, and I am the co-founder of Wellbeing Studio, a nonprofit that supports families impacted by cancer through the arts. Wonderful. I am really excited. I've been so excited about this podcast since we planned it. So let's dive right in. And Sharon, what did being nominated for the Hero of Hope Award mean to you? It was an honor and a joy to be nominated. 2018 was my breast cancer diagnosis, and I began working with families impacted with cancer like my own. I had written a children's book called The Little Green Monster Cancer Magic and raised money to get it illustrated and published. And then I created an arts workshop to go with it. So my daughter was 11 at the time, and she's 14 now. And we really enjoyed using the arts to process what was happening with my cancer. As an educator, I was looking for resources for how to talk about cancer. So I started that workshop in order to help other families like mine. And in the first year during my breast cancer diagnosis and treatment, I was able to donate over 2,500 copies of my book. I worked with hundreds of families doing the creative arts workshops and I was nominated for the award I think by a social worker that I worked with at a hospital and I worked with children of parents with cancer at that hospital. So being nominated in the middle of my cancer treatment after doing that work, which for me was 
in order to help others and make my cancer mean something beyond myself, it really reinforced what I intended my work to mean. And it made me feel recognized and seen during a time when I was really struggling with everything related to my health, my self-esteem, the changes in my body, the emotions, and feeling quite sort of invisible as my friends were kind of going about their lives and I had to stop work. And so I was not active in a lot of my old communities. And so a lot had changed and getting nominated for the award and being seen in a time where I felt quite invisible during my cancer really inspired me to continue the work and to know that I was making a difference from another person's perspective and to be seen by those who work in nurse navigation, social work, oncology, social work was also meaningful because it meant that I was engaging in the cancer community in a way that I really wanted to. And it meant that the nurse navigation community really honored and cared about and wanted to listen to patient experiences. And the patient actions were important to nurse navigators, which further made me feel good as I'm with nurses every day or every week for my treatment. And so it was such a treat to be in a community of cancer care professionals who really, really care about their patients. I think that is so beautifully said, and especially recognizing about being that patient and being invisible because it is a go, go, go. You go to appointments and it's that treatment. So thank you so much. That was so beautifully said. And Melinda, I would ask you the same question. How did being nominated for the Hear of Hope Award impact you? Because if I recall, your daughter nominated you and you didn't even know. That is correct. My daughter, who is an RN, had put the nomination in and didn't tell me about it. So it was a surprise to me. So I was very honored and proud that she wanted to do that for me. She was 12 years old when I was diagnosed. So she saw me go through this entire journey. And as a paramedic prior to my cancer diagnosis, and I absolutely loved my job. But as Sharon mentioned, your reality changes, your community changes, and what you're doing changes. I entered into a clinical trial because there's no proven treatment for cholangiocarcinoma, and I was a stage four terminal cancer patient, and I happened to be the first one to respond in a clinical trial that was quite groundbreaking, and so the results of that trial was published in the Science Journal, and then the media did some stories on our family. And in that time frame that the stories went out in the New York Times and different media places like that, I had hundreds and hundreds of phone calls that week from patients all over the world who just wanted to have some hope. And that's when my love for patient advocacy was born. I knew that they didn't need to hear that what I did would work for them exactly. They just needed to know that there was a possibility that something might be able to work for them. So I started volunteering with the Clangiocarcinoma Foundation as a moderator on the discussion board. And I helped patients and caregivers navigate this diagnosis, find treatments, second opinions, look for clinical trials. And then I began serving as a patient advocate on the NCI Hepatobiliary Task Force, the ECOG Akron Group. I also serve as a patient advocate on the NCCN Hepatobiliary Guideline Panel. So I do my best to bring the patient voice to the table and represent the patients to the best of my ability, because I feel very fortunate and blessed to be 
in this situation, 11 years later from a terminal diagnosis, and I know not many others are, so I want to do my best to pay it forward and help in whatever way I can. So I was extremely honored that she nominated me and proud of her and proud that she was proud of her mother too. Well, I have to say, I am just so honored to be sitting with you both talking about this today, because I think you both just exude what patients need to hear during their experience, because you have those ups and downs, but you both just exude this hope for patients. And I think not only that, that our membership will hear how to even better work with their patients from both your experiences as a result of this award. What I would ask you, Sharon, is what do you want your cancer experience to mean? I get asked that pretty often, I would say, when I'm talking with people who want to share a patient experience. And I think that the most important thing for me about my cancer experience is I want to be able to contribute to breaking stigmas about cancer. I want to participate in conveying that talking about cancer, talking about the life-threatening nature of cancer, the fear of death that we have in society that we don't talk about, the difficult emotions that often people stifle down, that all of that, as we talk about it, we process it through art. I'm sitting here making a piece right now that is about using the arts to create peace in my life about grief and loss. And the more we can process those things externally, not just internally, the better our bodies can heal. And so for a lot of people, breaking those silences or becoming less ashamed through the act of speaking about their cancer is too difficult to bear. And so if I can do that because I have this wonderful talent of not being bothered by talking about difficult things, then I'm hoping that even if others can't speak, that I can speak on their behalf in a way that can help people be seen. And I keep coming back to that theme because as a literature major and a, a teacher of language arts and a writer of poetry, I love this idea that we need mirrors and windows in our lives. So we need mirrors in that when we see representations of people who've had similar experiences in their lives, that's a mirror. And those mirrors help us to feel seen and to know that we're part of belonging. And then we also need windows because that's how we build empathy for others who have different experiences than we do. And so when we talk in a community, and I feel so fortunate to be sitting here next to Melinda and hearing her story because we had a different type of cancer because my daughter was young and she has a grandchild now. And so to see what her experiences are like carrying forth in her life as a longer term cancer survivor than I am, it also helps to inspire me because I'm learning from someone else in their perspective. So I want my cancer to represent that lifelong process of trying to break stigmas and trying to connect through difficult conversations and through processing those difficult emotions that come out of this life post-cancer. Wow. Again, I am continued to be in awe. And Melinda, you and Sharon both have children and you had children through your experience and you had, as you opened up six children, tell me what you want this to mean for your children as they watched you through your experience. 
boy, we're really open with our children and honest with them throughout the whole diagnosis and kept them involved because they wanted to know. We didn't ever want them to feel like we were keeping something from them. And, and we wanted to take the fear out of it as best we could. There's always fear in a cancer diagnosis. It's a scary thing to have happening to you. But I think that I would want it to be meaningful. And I know it has been meaningful to them. I think they've grown a lot through this process. They've learned a lot. I can tell you that every single one of my children have wrote at least one paper through school or college about a cancer diagnosis or having a mother with cancer and overcoming it. And I see them mentor others who have a loved one who's going through cancer. So I'm very proud of them. But I think the biggest thing is we all learned that time is just precious. And we learned that in so many ways that we need to live every day to the fullest. And the thing that I tell cancer patients all the time, especially these cholangiocarcinoma patients, you know, this is a rare cancer and it's a pretty deadly cancer and it's terrifying. But what I like to remind them is cancer or no cancer, nobody knows what tomorrow brings. So it is our responsibility to live every day to the fullest. And I think that's what we try to do and that there's strength in numbers. And like Sharon was sharing, to be a part of a community and not feel alone. And that's one of the joys of my job is being able to connect patients with other patients and caregivers with other caregivers and help them navigate that so they don't feel alone. Because I know when they get this diagnosis that they do feel like they're the only one in the world that's going through this. And so for my children, just something meaningful and learning that life is precious and to make every day count. Absolutely. I love the time is precious and live each day to the fullest. I have a poem that I actually read when my father passed away and it was called Tomorrow is Not Promised. And it just speaks to cherishing every single day, even if they are the hard days. So I love that both of you have taught your children that because I know that's something that I want my children to make sure that they understand as well. And I wanted to follow up on that, if I may. Because I've struggled with depression since childhood and really a lack of self-esteem and self-worth most of my life. And I know that people might listen to this if you're maybe someone who hasn't gone through something that's life-threatening and say, well, of course, we want to live every day to the fullest. And some of those things might sound cliche. Before cancer, I might have thought that because I really didn't understand the extent to which I was impacted by my father's cancer. My father died from cancer three days after my breast cancer diagnosis, and he had his first cancer when I was seven, but we didn't talk about it when I was a kid. And so I spent my life trying to be healthy, kind of like be the antithesis of my dad in a way, like he would get upset and I would try to be more peaceful and he would get angry and I would try to talk things through and he would do this and I would go the other way. So it was like, I didn't really understand why we had such trouble with each other. But after my diagnosis, I realized that there was a lot I didn't understand about my dad. And there was a lot that I was trying to do in order to run away from death because of seeing all of his chronic illnesses throughout my life. And I think that this idea of living every day to the fullest for me doesn't have to mean I have to be happy every day. In fact, it means whatever I'm going through, I'm going to try to understand it because I want to respect this life I've been 
given. I want to respect that my eyes opened this morning. And so what does that mean for me? What do I want my day to mean? And so it's like living it to the fullest for me is about intentionality and mindfulness. And I'm not perfect and I'm not going to get any kind of saint award. What I'm going to do is just try to understand what I believe, try to understand how to live that life that matters to me, that I can contribute back, that I'm not looking at myself and seeing lack anymore. And it really, for me, took cancer to say, the nurses are spending all this time trying to save my life. And here I am driving myself to my appointments and disregarding the negativity I got in my marriage during cancer. And I'm trying to feel good about myself. And it dawned on me one day, if I'm trying to save my own life and all these people are helping me save my own life, it must be worth something. And I just had never really understood it to that depth until all these people, including myself, were trying to save my life. That's why it's not a cliche for me to say living every day to the fullest, because I need to understand why I didn't feel good about myself. And then I need to do something with that to make the world better because I'm here. I get to be here. <laughs> you know, it's not gone. And that's really special. I agree. I just want to add to that, too. I think being a paramedic for 20 years prior to my diagnosis helped. I saw people die in car accidents every day without any warning. And so I learned at that point how precious life was. But then to get a cancer diagnosis, I always felt I never said, why me? I always said, why not me? I'm no different than anyone else. I'm not special. There's no reason for why not me. But I also realized too, from being a paramedic, that it gave me time. It gave me time to make amends, to make changes, to wrap things up, to tie up loose ends. And I saw that as a gift. And trust me when I say living every day to the fullest, bad things still happen. Sad things still happen. I was diagnosed on my son's 14th birthday. And a year and a half ago, he died unexpectedly at 24. But the thing is, is you have to look for the good things always. And that's what I mean by living life to the fullest. And the good thing was, is we were able to donate his organs. We saved five people and we got to give his liver to a cholangiocarcinoma patient who extended their life. So in essence, he's helping me be a patient advocate and helping other patients. So for sure, not cliche. And that's just it. Every day to the fullest is a different definition, I think, for every person and every patient. I think there's a really special meaning in what you both have talked about. And it's what our nurse navigators, patient navigators, healthcare workers in general can take away from your experience. And they can hear, Sharon, in your experience with your father, if that navigator saw there's a communication barrier going on. Maybe they can help intervene and open those doors for opportunities. And then Melinda, I agree, it's not a cliche, but I just feel like there's such powerful messages from the both of you that yes, live life to the fullest, but every day is not going to be that easy one. You're going to have some rock star days and then other days that you've learned something about that day. And I have a shirt that says, keep moving forward. And that's what I try to do every day. That was just so beautifully spoken. I also wanted to say how much I appreciate the opportunity to speak to nurse navigators. I was able to do a workshop at the AONN conference a couple of springs ago, and it took the longest time for me to write my talk and to create my slides. 
And I finally messaged the person at AONN to say, I'm so sorry I'm late on this, but I'm blocked because I'm so afraid. Like, I don't have anything to say. I'm not a nurse. I'm not an expert on cancer. I'm just a person who went through this and I'm trying to do extraordinary things, but I'm awfully ordinary. I mean, I don't know what I have to give. And the person said, you know what? This is exactly what nurse navigators want to hear is your experience. You're an expert on your cancer, on your way through it, on how you navigated your way through it. And that's what's special. And so we did art making because part of the way I navigated my cancer was through art making and helping other families do art making. And I want to say that it's always like a process of framing and reframing because there's a lot of self-doubt that comes from many areas of our lives. Um, as I've learned to reframe things, instead of is the glass half full and half empty, it's both, right? So it's like, how do you want to frame it? How do you want to see it and navigate your cancer? And some days we just want to feel tired and rest and feel sorry for ourselves because it's hard and it hurts. And other people aren't going through it like you are. Like maybe you're the only person in your circle that is. And so being able to share all of that can kind of make sense when a nurse is helping out a patient and they're like, they're in a really bad mood. It kind of makes sense. I mean, I was in a bad mood a lot. And so just being able to be honest about that, that we're raw, like this is a very raw time. All the poetry I wrote was very raw. And that sometimes, some traditions around cancer can actually make things harder. For example, one of the things that I wrote about when I did my poetry writing during cancer was about how I knew I was going to receive the red medicine. What's it called? I can't remember. In breast cancer, I can't remember. Is it adriamycin? Yeah. So the medicine is red and a lot of patients call it the red devil or nurses too. Cause I remember when I came in that day for the first one, she said, Oh, you're getting the red devil. And I was like, Oh, I don't call it that. I've been thinking all night and all morning about how my red medicine is like red gummy bears and red vines and jello and red flowers and hearts and everything red I could think of that would give me this wonderful positive association. Because frankly, this medicine was saving my life. So I was like, bring it on. You know, I don't care if it hurts because it's better than me and dead. So I'm, I'm going for it. But I had to tell the nurse, let's not call it that for me. Like right now, we're going to call it the name of the medicine. Or if you want to call it red hot cinnamon candies, that's fine with me. But this is the frame I need to bring to it. And so I think sharing patient perspectives can help nurses with going, oh, huh, that's interesting. I'd never really thought about how that negative name could actually cause people to have more pain around it, right? Like when they're going through the process of receiving the medicine. So this award, the Hero of Hope Award, and the way that AONN frames our experiences as being central to nurse navigation and social work is tremendous. So I very much appreciate having the opportunity to talk and share these perspectives today. I like that too. And I just want to add on too is the nurses, the navigators, the social workers, they have to personalize. Each person is so different. And so it's personalizing their work to each person who, to their needs. It's like giving personalized medicine, but as a navigator, because as Sharon wanted to hear it that way, each person has a different way that they need to receive 
the help that they're getting from these navigators. And I think that an important part to know is that we're not all the same and that you might have to adapt the way you navigate with us and help us and support us. And I think that is a beautiful takeaway from today's podcast. We've got to hear about your experiences, what your cancer journey meant to both you and your families. We've learned about both of you being so authentic and raw and speaking to what that experience was. But I think also the honor that we have as an association to be able to honor patients. It allows us to bring you in and remember the core to what AONN and navigation is about. And it is about the patient. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us. I know our listeners are going to thoroughly enjoy getting to know you more. Do either one of you have any closing words or both of you that you'd like to share with our membership before we wrap up? Sure. I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to share our stories and be able to connect with your listeners. And thank you for the work that you do. And for all the nurse navigators and social workers and nurses out there, oncology nurses, you guys are amazing and you can make or break our day. And most of the time you make it. And so we appreciate it so very much. Absolutely. I remember my very last treatment And I got into the car and I think I just cried because I couldn't believe I wouldn't see my nurses again. And I was like, what does that mean? I mean, it's like when they hand you the baby after you've given birth, like, here you go. Good luck. (laughs) You're like, no, I liked having you around. I mean, in the best case, you're like, you're thrilled that these people are like just surrounding you and it takes a village to make this person well. And I too feel that kind of gratitude for you all. And I wanted to also say that I appreciate the opportunity to speak about my experience. My experience led us to found our nonprofit well-being studio. So if you all who are listening are impacted by cancer or know someone who is, we have free resources and we have free workshops and a summer camp this summer that's free as well for families impacted by cancer. So we would love for you to come on over and check us out. And uh, I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you again, both. And for our listeners, to learn more about the Hero of Hope Award, please visit the AONM Plus website and consider nominating an incredible individual like Melinda and like Sharon. Nominations, as you heard, are made by caregivers, friends, family members, and healthcare professionals. So thank you again, Melinda and Sharon, for spending this time with us. And thank you for who you are and all that you do. Thank you once again to our generous sponsor, Genentech for making this special AONN Plus podcast episode possible. Thank you for joining AONN Plus and today's engagement with key knowledge leaders to enhance your navigation practice or program. Please visit aonnonline.org for other navigation tools, education, and best practices to advance the role of patient navigation in cancer care across the care continuum.